turn in your Bible to the book of Philippians, and we're going to continue with our series called Finding Biblical Focus for Your Future. How many of you believe God has a future for all of us? And when God planned you, and when God thought about you, and when God looked down and he said, you know, I'm going to make me a Jim Carpenter, I'm going to make me an Amanda Blatt, and I'm going to make me a Tommy uh, uh Winberg, thank you. I started to say Tommy Brown. He's already in heaven. When God made him a Scotty Smith, he didn't look down and say, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick up some leftovers here and I'm going to throw something together haphazardly that really, I, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do with them, but you know, and, and maybe they'll be something and maybe they won't. You know, when God made you, he created you with a purpose and a plan and, and a vision and a dream. We've got to just line up with God's uh, vision for our life and get fresh focus for the new year. So that's where we've been. That's where we're going. And this morning I'm pretty jazzed about our focal point that I'll share with you in a moment. Uh, first, let's just look at our, our verse of the year. I don't know how long I'll show you this, but I want us to read it out loud. Psalms 102, verse 13. I want everyone to read it loudly with me. Here we go. For you will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. One more time. For the time, oh, pardon me. For you will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. You can put your name in there. You can put your family in there. You can put your business in there. Come on, could I get a better amen? And, and so we just were declaring the favor of God. And again, when God made you, when God looked down, oh, we got newlyweds in the house back there. When God looked down on Jake and Maddie, he looked down, he didn't say, you know what? I'm just going to kind of bless them. I'm just going to kind of, oh, their sister too. You're still in town. Man, good to see you girls. Uh, he didn't look down and say, you know, uh, you know, I just, I'm not really going to favor them. They're going to have to struggle all their life long. No, he wants to favor us. Tell somebody. God wants to favor you. He really does. And I believe today is the set time for the favor of the Lord. And everybody said amen one more time. Now, let's jump into Philippians. Here's where we've been. We're sharing at least six, maybe seven big biblical focal points for 2018. And I've already shared three of them with you. And if you've missed them, okay, that's it. does that say the last two weeks? It should be the last three weeks. That's my fault. Uh, it Here's the first one, the focal point of the family of God. We need God's family like never before, amen? And then number two, the focal point of finances, okay? Uh, we need uh, to get God's uh, word and will for our finances and develop a biblical mindset about money, amen? And then number three, last week we talked about the focal point of the faithfulness of God, being faithful uh, to God and God's faithfulness to us and really being faithful to the purposes of God and really His purpose to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. So, our, so that's where we've been. And that's a lot. And I encourage you, I ask you, if you've missed any of those, you know what wouldn't hurt? Anybody have to drive to work? Everybody work at home, do you have to drive to work? Anybody drive over 30 minutes a day to work? Okay, we got a few. How many of you drive 
uh, more than 30 minutes. Anybody? There you go. You know what? I think you can get online and you can watch, listen to me while you drive down the road, if you'll be careful, and you can catch up with these biblical focal points because God wants us to, wants us to have a biblical focus for our future as we move into 2018. Now, this morning, I want to jump into number four, and it's the focal point of being fruitful. Fruitfulness. God wants us to bear much fruit. In fact, I'm going to say this right now. As I've been studying this this week, and especially even I was in San Antonio a week or so ago uh, with some friends at a missions conference, and one of my pastor friends, I'm going to give him some credit, his name is Hal Santos. Everyone say Hal Santos. What a great guy Hal Santos is. He pastors up in, I think, not in Wisconsin, but Illinois. Uh, and he shared some things that just set off in me. And he said this. He said, pastors, you need to take your church family uh, through a study of the fruit of the Spirit and becoming fruitful for God. And he said that, and I logged it in here. And then as I began to uh, study this this past week, I went, man, I think I've just jumped onto our next major theme uh, on at least Sunday mornings, and that is bearing much fruit for the kingdom. And so we'll talk about that more, but I'm excited to introduce that thought to you today. And I want you to look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, because we're gaining these from the book of Philippians. And look in verse 9. This is Paul's prayer for the Philippians, and this is what he says. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Catch the number, verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Everyone stop, look up, and look around and say, fruits of righteousness. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I'm telling you, I love that. The word filled means full to the brim, overflowing, cram-packed full. How many of you like that thought? How many of you like it when you, uh, when you, oh, let me see. When, uh, you go to the, the, the restaurant and you want a good full bowl of something and they give you a little bit. And I said, that's not a bowl, that's a cup. All right, how many of you know, I think they don't know what a bowl and a cup is. My bowl is a big bowl. I love my bowls to be full. And God says, you know what I want about from you? I want each of my children. I want this church family. I want everybody in this church family to be full and overflowing to the brim with the, the, the fruits of righteousness, being fruitful and abounding for the kingdom's sake. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. I love the New Living Translation. And I would encourage you, uh, if you haven't downloaded the Bible app, man, that's your best app you'll ever download. Uh, I, I'm sure there are many, but, uh, there's one that's just, just the primary one. It's got all these verse, versions. Uh, and it's just a phenomenal tool. I use it quite often when I want to read from the New Living Translation. And catch how the New Living Translation, uh, this verse 11 reads, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous, catch this, the righteous character produced uh, in your life by Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. New Living Translation. May you always be filled, that is, overflowing to the brim, crammed full with the fruit of your salvation, 
the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. I love that. And so now, this morning, allow me, I'm going to build a little foundation for this. Uh, I'm going to kind of just lay a foundation for being fruitful and bearing much fruit and and being filled with the fruits of righteousness and and give you a little foundation for this. Uh, Number one, when we are born again, how many people are born again? Say amen. Here's a, here, when we're born again, Jesus Christ comes and dwells within us, right? You believe that? What did Paul say? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians 3.17 says, says we, he, he, is, he dwells within us. How many of you this morning can say Christ dwells within me? He dwells within you. Jesus lives on, in your heart. We call it I, inviting Jesus into our heart. If you're with me, say amen. I'm building a foundation here this morning. And then number two, uh, when you're born again, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within you. Would everybody agree with me? Say amen. If you need some proof, go to Romans 8. He talks about the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. So we have Jesus living on the inside, okay? We've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. I'm building a foundation for fruitfulness. And so with that in mind, go back to verse 11. It says that, that Paul prayed that we would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, the fruit of our salvation. In other words, let me, let me stop and tell you, when Jesus comes and lives within you, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, there should always be evidence by way of fruitfulness. If people say, Jesus lives in me, but there's no, they're not abounding in fruits of righteousness, there's some issues. And so maybe we can work through some of those issues. Now, here's an important point to ponder. Are you with me? Follow me here for a moment. It's God's plan for the indwelling of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to work within us the character and the nature of Christ for the purpose of bearing fruits of righteousness. That's what the Scripture is all about in verse 11. I'm going to say it again. It's God's plan for the indwelling of Jesus Christ. That's why He lives on the inside of you. It's God's Somebody say, it's God's plan. Touch somebody and say, this is God's plan. This is God's plan for us. It's God's plan for the indwelling of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to work within us the character and the nature of Christ for the purpose of being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. Now, how many of you know there's none righteous? No, not one. Are you with me? Say amen. So we look back at that scripture and it says the righteous character that God wants to work within us is, is accomplished by Jesus Christ. That's Christ working within you. That's his plan. In fact, that's what Philippians 1.6 is all about. If you look up at verse 6, it says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, God's working his character within you. So you can be fruitful and multiply uh, in a spiritual way and fill the earth. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, God's not finished with you yet. And especially if we look at our life and we lack in the area of fruitfulness, there's some things we need to begin to incorporate. There's something we need to begin to do. There's something we may need to begin to address to say, why am I not being fruitful for God? And so if you look in chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, look what he says here. Uh, God's working within us. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as 
in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. We're going to come back to that. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Catch verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. Everyone say to will and to do. Will and to do for his good pleasure. You see, God's working within us. He wants to do, He wants to work His character and His person and, and His, His nature within us so we can be fruitful in the kingdom of God. In fact, look on over to God. Well, I'll skip that verse and just say this one right here. Galatians 5.22. Anybody know what that is all about? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Sam, right? It's not the fruit of Amanda. It's not the fruit of Gail. It's the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit. When we get the, the, uh, the presence of God and the power and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, there should be fruitfulness in our life. You got it? Look at your neighbor and say, you got it? And so I want you to follow me. I want you to listen carefully right here. I, I want you to catch this thought. You can't work your way into being righteous. How many of you know that's true? You can't work your way into being righteous. You can't be good enough to get to God, can you? Because all our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. And if you get the, if you get the Old Testament understanding of filthy rags, you just go look it up. It's, it's a filthy rag. I'm telling you, whatever you can think of, it's filthy rag. Okay. All our righteousness is equated, uh, to something very filthy and considered unclean from a scriptural standpoint. But Jesus Christ, when he lives on the inside of us, begins to work and develop his righteous character within us. Okay. And so faith. Here we go. Faith in Christ works righteousness within us, and that righteousness will always be manifest through works of righteousness, and that's what we call fruitfulness. Somebody say fruitfulness. So you follow me? Are you following along here this morning? That there's none righteous, no, not one, but God's looking to us to be fruitful and to bear what Paul said is be filled with the fruits of righteousness. So what we've got to embrace this morning is the reality that Jesus Christ within us, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, wants to work within us the character and the nature of Christ, which will lead us to a place of fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. And everybody said amen one more time. And so we've got to embrace that truth. In fact, when you look in Romans and you study Romans and about being justified or declared righteous, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says that we've having been justified, that means declared righteous by what? Faith. Everybody say faith. You see the faith. In fact, where do we get faith? It's a gift of what? God gave us Faith. We didn't have faith in and of ourselves, did we, Phil? He gave it to us as a gift. And that gift that we have in faith, as we activate that faith, it brings forth the character and the nature of Christ. For it says this concerning uh, being justified, having been justified, that is declared righteous by faith. In other words, you, de- you can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's all a gift of God. Amen. In fact, Titus says this. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God inside of us. Amen. 
And so by faith, here's the follow me point that I gave you earlier. You can't work your way into being righteous. Faith works righteousness within you, and that righteousness will always be manifest through works of righteousness, which is fruitfulness. Everybody say fruitful. And that's what God wants from all of us. He wants us to bear much fruit and be fruitful for God. In fact, when you study this, and we will, when you study this, how many of you know God's pretty adamant about being fruitful? He does not like a lack of fruit. He, In fact, isn't there a place in Scripture where there was a fruit, a tree that didn't bear fruit? What did Jesus do? Hey, if you want to guess, we're going to look at John 15 for just a moment. There's an explosion of insight about being fruitful in John 15. We'll look at it a little bit and then come back to it at a later time. God's pretty serious about his children when he invests his presence within them. He invests his Holy Spirit within us and the expectation of his presence and the expectation of all he's given to us, his expectation when he sowed himself into us, he sowed the Holy Spirit into us is for us to be fruitful he gets pretty it's pretty serious when we refuse to cooperate with the grace and the mercy and the presence of God in our lives and refuse to be fruitful so read some of those things and let's embrace this reality this morning and realize that hey you can't work your way into righteousness you can't work up righteous deeds but you can cooperate with the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit and allow him to work his righteousness within you. And everybody said one more, amen. With that in mind this morning, that's kind of my foundation. I want to share with you just a few fruits of righteousness from Philippians that I see. I want to give you three. That that when you begin to read through Philippians, and I want you to read through Philippians more. We're not done here. we got a few more thoughts to go. When you read through this, I want you to see these with me. And the first one is this. I'll call it the fruit of healthy loving. The fruit of healthy loving. How many of you know when the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit live within you, it will manifest itself by way of love for God and love for others? Amen? In fact, look what, in fact, when you read through the Philippians, when you read about the Philippians in 2 Corinthians, and you read through this, you know what you find in this church? They were, they loved God, loved others. Man, they were loving people. They were caring about people. They loved Paul. They sent him a sacrificial offering to help him in the furtherance of the gospel. These people had it going on. But look what he says about them. The first thing he says after he said, I thank God, uh, and I, that, uh, uh, upon every remembrance of you, he starts to pray for them. The first thought in his prayer in verse 9, and this I pray. Follow me in verse 9. This was his thought. This is what he wanted to see more of. He said, this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and all discernment. He wanted their love to increase and expand. How many of you know it's the love of God that covers a multitude of sin? And so one of the evidences and one of the fruits that should grow in our life because of the presence of Jesus and the salvation of God in our life, uh, you know, is, is, is more love for God and love for others. He said, let me pray. This is what I want to pray, that your love may abound still more and more. Everybody say more and more. Wherever we are today, think about where you are in your walk with God. Think about how you love God. Think about how you love others. 
and realize, you know what? There's room for more and more. Somebody say more and more. Touch your neighbor and say more and more. It's the fruit of healthy loving. In fact, Paul modeled it for them in, in chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. Look what he said. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if Now, let me stop. Where is Paul when he's writing this? Anybody know? He's in prison. Let me tell you something. It's not like Texas prisons. He didn't have Wi-Fi and TV and everything. Hey, these are serious prisons. Some people believe and can can pretty much uh, factually, uh, historically validate that the prisons many times were caves with water in the that they stood and lived and you know sometimes six eight ten inches of water. This was the 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 prison that Paul was in. Something along these lines, uh, and it and it says this even in prison uh, he talks about uh, his love for God and love for others and his his desire uh, for for heaven and his desire to help others. He said verse twenty two. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. In other words, I have an opportunity to bear some more fruit. He's in prison. But something in him says, you know, I would like to go and depart with be with Christ. But if I stay, I have an opportunity to bear much fruit. He said, if I live on the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Somebody say far better. But then he says, nevertheless, now catch this. This is how he's modeling this healthy loving of God and loving of others. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Amen. And he encourages them to do the same. If you look over in chapter 2 in Philippians, verse 1 through 4, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love. Catch this. The same love being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interests of others. What's he saying? You guys are doing it, but let me just say, you got to stay healthy when it comes to your love relationship with God and one another. Amen. It's the fruit of healthy loving. Loving God and loving others. In fact, I find it interesting when you go back to the fruit of the Spirit, you can do that quickly later during the halftime. Nobody's going to watch halftime, I don't imagine, in the Super Bowl. So during the halftime, you can go back and read the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what you're going to, there's nine of them, and I think at least seven, six or seven of them have to do with relationships with others. In other words, the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life is going to be how you live a healthy love relationship with others. How many of you ever heard of the Bob Principle? Anybody remember the Bob Principle? This is a old John Maxwell leadership principle, and it is this. If Bob has a problem with everybody, and wait, let me ask, anybody here named Bob will change the name. Okay, it's the Bob Principle. I did that once, and there was two or three Bobs in the house, and I got offended. The Bob Principle, if Bob has a problem with everybody, Bob is probably the problem. Are you with me? If Bob has a problem with everybody, Bob's probably the problem. Let me just say, you call your name. If 
has a problem with a lot of people, then it's probably the problem. Are you with me? And so one of the fruits that you and I need to begin to embrace in our heart and life as we embrace the presence of God and His Holy Spirit in our life, it's this fruit of healthy loving, loving God and loving others. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, turn over to John 15 just a second. I wasn't planning on going there, but two things made me go there. Last night or early this morning, I can't remember, I was on Facebook and someone had posted a little clip of Steve Furt- Stephen Furtick. Anybody ever watch any Stephen Furtick? I love how he preaches. I don't watch him a lot. I'm not, I don't, but uh, let me just say about those guys that are very popular, I've never seen them post a bad sermon online. Everybody thinks they're the greatest preacher on the planet and they all got to be pretty good. But how many of you know, they don't put their bad sermons online. And so when you go study, you're going to get his best. You're going to get, and so it's a little clip of him. And, it, and he was preaching from John 15. And I'll explain it to you in just a moment. John 15, he's, Jesus is talking about being fruitful. And I'm going to skip down through to verse 8, 9, 10, and maybe 11 uh, and get you this point because we're talking about loving uh, and loving and being a healthy lover, lover of God and lover of others and bearing fruit of loving God and loving others. And he's talking about being fruitful. Verse 8, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear what? Much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. So you will be my disciples. You see, if we're not bearing fruit, we may be believers, but not really effective disciples. Because disciples bear fruit. Are you with me? Look in verse 9, same context, bearing fruit. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, then He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. And then He says, this is my commandment that you love one another. Now, let me stop right here. Here's what Steve Furtick said. Basically, you never find in there where it says, maintain your love for God. And when I heard him say that, I said, okay, now where are you going with this? What does it say? It says what you've got to maintain and stay in the presence of is his love for you. You see, we spend all our time, energy, and effort. I gotta love God more. I gotta love others more. I gotta be better. I gotta love my wife more. I gotta love my kids more. I gotta be better when it comes to loving God more. And that's what Paul said for the Philippians, that your love may abound still more and more. But how does that love abound in us? It's not by our works. It's by His presence within us, developing within us the character and the nature of Christ. And, and Jesus basically says this, if you're gonna bear fruit, man, let me tell you how you maintain your love for God. It's not and working hard to love him more and love others more. It's in staying and abiding in his presence and abiding in his love. And when you get in his love and you stay in the presence of his love, man, it starts bearing fruit in your life and you love him more and you love others more because you are abiding in the vine of his love for you. Somebody say, thank you, Steve Furtick. (laughs) And I love that. It's bearing fruits of healthy loving. Number two, it's the fruit of holy living. When you begin to embrace the presence of God and presence of Jesus in your heart and allow Him to begin to work His work within you, 
it will lead you to holy living. Look in Philippians 1.10. Look what he said. I'm in John 15. Let me go back to Philippians 1.10. And this is one of my favorite verses in, in this letter to the Philippians because it has some really interesting thoughts about holy living. Philippians. Here we go. Number 10. Look what he prays for them. That you may approve the things that are excellent. Now follow this, this verse with me. That you may be sincere. Everyone say sincere. And without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Two thoughts about those two thoughts. Or one thought about each thought. He said that you may be sincere. Everyone say it again. Say sincere. This is what he's, he's praying for them. And we think uh, sincere is, oh man, I re- you know what we think about sincere. Man, he was really sincere when he said that. Well, the, the, the root meaning of this word sincere is two thoughts, without wax and under the light, something like that. Now, let me explain. Everyone say without wax. Let me tell you, in Jesus' day, anything that held food was of pottery. It was pottery, right? the potter and there's all there's a lot in scripture about the potter but in jesus day here's what the unscrupulous person who lacked character would do because when the potter would make a pot and it would not fire correctly and it would not uh you know uh he 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 maybe messed up left it a little too long in the oven or whatever he it would sometimes crack and so the unscrupulous potter would take uh rather than oh man i'll just throw throw it away he would take wax And he would fill the crack with wax very carefully. And then he would paint the pottery. And at first glance, everyone said, that's a good-looking pot. But the person who understood that would bring, when they shopped for pottery, they would take the pot and they would hold it up to the light to see if it was sincere and without fault and without wax. And then the light the light would shine, and undoubtedly, if there was a crack that had been filled with wax, the shopper would go, no, that one's not sincere. And so Paul prays for the church. He prays for them that we would be without wax, that we would be the kind of person that had the character of Christ and without offense. That means without fault, without cracks. He said, this is what I'm praying for you. This is what I want to begin to see in you because of the power and the presence of God and His Holy Spirit that lives within you. And the presence of Christ, listen, go back to the first verse. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus wants to work within us. Holy living. He says in Philippians 1.27, he says this, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 verse 12 says this. We've read partial, a part of it. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now as in my presence, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. Somebody say without fault. 
without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. God wants to work within us. The fruits of healthy loving and the fruits of holy living. Very quickly, let me just give you how that holy living is made manifest. Number one, we live for Him. It's all about Him. Everyone say it's all about Him. Let me show you this. I gotta show you this. We gotta live our life to be a blessing and an honor to God. Look in chapter one, verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, to the praise or the glory and the praise of God. It's all for His glory. You see, when you live right, it's for His glory. When you're living right, it's not to prove yourself to Him. It's just to honor Him, to glorify Him. And when we let His presence be made manifest in our life and the Holy Spirit began to work within us and we began to exhibit the character and the nature of Christ, it brings great glory and honor to God. Somebody say amen. We live for Him. Number two, holy living is manifested by living not only for Him, but living for the hurting, for those that are hurting. Chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, if there's any consolation, that means encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort of love. In other words, if there's anything there that would help, that would, in your life, that would bring comfort to others, let it be made manifest. We live for Him. We live for the hurting. Number three, we should live for helping others. That's what Paul did when I read to you just a few moments ago. For me to uh, live in the flesh will mean much more fruit for my labor. Then he says to remain in the flesh is much more needful for you. He lived for the purpose of glorifying God and helping others. And that's holy living. Let me tell you what holy living is not. Holy living is not secluding yourself in your home away from humanity and crossing your legs and putting on a turban or whatever, I'm giving you a vivid, and crossing your arms and going, I'm holy, hallelujah, I'm holy. That's not holy living. Holy living is only made manifest in how you deal with God and others. Are you with me? Say amen. So we live for him, we live for the hurting, we live for helping. And number four, but this holy living causes us to live for heaven. I'm telling you, I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas tonight. How many of you are with me? Say amen or today. Amen. We live for heaven. And Paul began to embrace this the, the, law, the more he lived on, on this earth. And that's why he said in chapter two, man, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He knew that I have an eternal reward in heaven. And if you read through chapter 3, you'll see him saying something like this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he goes down to verse 20 in chapter 3 and he says, for our citizenship. Now catch this. This is where the governance of God is best made manifest and understood. Our citizenship is in heaven. How many of you know planet Earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere? I'm going to try that again because I know within this group, even though it's a smaller group, there's at least one or two ameners in there. How many of you know planet Earth is the shortest amount of time we'll ever live anywhere? It's true. 
Because we'll live in eternity. And our citizenship, see, we're pilgrims passing through. I could validate that for you. We're, we're, we're strangers and foreigners in the earth. And heaven is our home, our eternal home. And he says this. He's, 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 he's tweaking and tuning this church, the reality that, hey, holy living is about living for him. It's about living for the hurting while we're here on earth, about living for helping while we're still here on earth. But it's really about eternity, our security, and our citizenship is in heaven. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the fruit of healthy loving, the fruit of healthy living. And finally, let me just throw this. Everybody smile. Everybody smile. Make sure you're smiling because this ought to make you smile. It's the fruit of happy living. Everybody smile and go, ha, 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 ha. Come on, everybody. Ha, 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 Man, some people in this kingdom, they think they're real spiritual, but and they look like they've been what? baptized in pickle juice. That ain't, that's not the kingdom of God. Now, where's Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in what? Prison. But when you read through Philippians, let me just show you something. Could I show you something? I'm about done. This is the way he lived his life. This is the evidence. This is the fruit. Come on now. This is the fruit of righteous living. This is the fruit of, of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. This is the fruit and the understanding that I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas, that I'm, that I've been born again and his mercy and grace has brought me into his family. It's the fruit of happy living. Let me walk you through Philippians very quickly. Look in verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with what? Oh, y'all weren't there. Let's go back. Look in Philippians 1, 4. Here we go. Let's look there. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with what? Joy. Somebody say joy. Paul's saying, when I pray for you, man, I'm pray I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. You know, there's some people I pray for, it's hard to get joyful about. Are you with me? Do y'all get happy when you pray for the government? No, probably not. Oh, God. Hey, we ought to. We ought to have the joy of the Lord. Look down in verse 18. I'm, I'm carrying a theme here. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice. Yes, I will what? Rejoice. Verse 25, being confident of this, I know that I, it shall, I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Verse 26, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus. Go down to chapter 2, verse 2, fulfill my joy. Look over in verse 016, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day. Look in verse 17, and uh, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Somebody say rejoice while I turn the page here. And then if you go over to chapter 4, verse 1, it says, therefore my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Verse 4, of chapter 4, one of my favorite. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. How many of you know Paul is living the happy life? That's the evidence. That's the fruit of righteousness that we have in Christ. And those are just a few thoughts. The fruit of healthy loving, the fruit of healthy living, the fruit of happy living, even in prison. I don't know what you're going through. Even in prison, 
Paul lived the happy life. He knew that all of this is only temporary. Tell somebody, tell somebody around you. In fact, turn around. If nobody beside you, turn around. And if you got to shout it three or four rows over, say, just tell them it's only temporary. It's only temporary. Oh, I don't know what you're going through. It's only temporary. Amen. Paul knew it was only temporary. Now, let me bring this to a close. Final thoughts. Let me wrap it all up so you can take it home and unwrap it again. The responsibility of every believer is to bear fruit and bear fruit and be filled, that is, cram-packed full of the fruits of righteousness. Every believer. Listen, this is God's will for your life. Let me, let me put on my long-distance glasses here this morning. There you are. Where'd you go? There you are. Listen to me. I'm talking right to you. The responsibility of every believer. You say, well, I believe in Jesus. That means the, Jesus lives on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And what they're wanting to do is, is work within you. you. Remember what that first verse we read, that Jesus wants to work within us so we'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness. The responsibility of every believer is to bear much fruit and be filled with the fruits of righteousness. And I just gave you a few, the fruit of healthy loving, the fruit of holy living, the fruit of happy living. If you just embrace those three, you'd be well on your way. But let me give you a little insight here as I close. If you look back in Philippians 1.6, what does it say about God? He's working in us. Everybody say He's working in us. What's He doing? He's working in us. And it says He's not going to finish working in us until that the day of Jesus Christ, which means probably the end of our days or the end of the world. He's working within us. Everybody say, God's working in us. We need to be confident of that, that Jesus Christ is working within us. He's working a good work in you. You get that? Now, go over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 13. Verse 12 says... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let me just pause. He's not talking about we work our way into being born again. But what he's saying is you who have been born again, there's some work you need to do. You with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it all together. Now, look in verse 13. For it is God who works in you. You see the partnership there? God's working in you, but there's saying you, but there's some things because He's working in you, you gotta work on. For God is working in you both to will and to do for whose good pleasure? His good pleasure. So let me say it this way. Are you with me? Say, if you're with me, say I'm with you, Pastor. Here's what we have to do. We have to work out what He's working in. Okay. Let me give you an illustration. I don't have, here we go. He's working something in you. Okay. How many of you know patience is one of the characteristics of the, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Patience. How many of you could say, God needs to work some more patience within me? All right. Oh, let me do it better. How many of you, there's somebody beside you that you know God needs to work some patience within them? All right. There you go. Okay. 
All right, now let's make it personal. God, let's use patience. God's working patience within me. So what does he do a lot of times to work patience within you? He gives you opportunities to to either work it out or not work it out. So God's working things in us, his nature and character. So what do we do in response to what he's doing? Uh, Y'all can tell I don't work out much. I mean, my exercise regimen, you know, one, two, three, four, one, I'm up, two, three, that's about it. But what God is working in you, everybody say, what God is working in you, we've got to work out. Now, let me give you a better illustration. He's working his character and nature within us. And as I said at the beginning of this, as it works within us, it's got to be manifest out from us. And that's called fruitfulness. Being fruitful for God. Being filled up. Crammed full. Replete with the character and the nature of Christ. And everybody said, Amen. So as we look to the future... We've got to embrace the reality that God's got some, he's working on us. And you know what we've got to do? We've got to work it out. And begin to cooperate with what God's working within us. And begin to work it out. Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Why with fear and trembling? Not in like you're afraid of God, but in reverence of God, knowing that God's expectation, listen carefully, I'm about done. God's expectation of you is to be fruitful. He didn't sow his presence. He didn't sow his spirit. He didn't sow the, he didn't breathe the breath of life into us. Listen, so we could sit like bumps on a log and not bear fruit. He breathed His life into you. He poured out the Holy Spirit upon us so He could go to work within us so His work could be manifest through us. That's called fruitfulness. Let's stand together. I think I'm done. But we'll let God go to work here. Father, today, we embrace Your presence. We embrace your presence within us. And so, Lord, we do realize there's none righteous, that we don't have it within us in our own strength to work the works of righteousness. But, Lord, we do have your presence. And it's God, we embrace your presence, that works within us, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. Have your way in our hearts today. I want us today just to spend a moment here and just say, Lord, have your way in me. I don't want to resist the workings and the dealings of God. What you're working within me, I want to work it out of me. Not apart from me, but Lord, manifest from me. Lord, today, we want to be fruitful for the kingdom. We know it's our... It's, it's our responsibility as disciples for Jesus said 
He wants us to bear much fruit. So, Lord, today, and really as we look to the future in this year, 2018, may we focus, focus our hearts and lives on being fruitful for you, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, abounding and pleasing God because of being fruitful for him. In Jesus' name. Now, do you spend a few moments speaking to God how you want to speak to him? Apply what we've just heard in your heart now, in your own words to God. Thank you, Jesus. We embrace you. We trust you. We yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Lord, keep working within us as we know you will, but we're confident of that. But Lord, let us know. Lord, we want you to be confident that we're working it out as well. While you're working it in, we're working it out. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.